0: Guide. And uh, so if you weren't here last Sunday, we began a brand new series called The Sojourner's Guide in a Hostile World. And we're looking in the book of 1 Peter, specifically chapter 2 and chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, why don't you go ahead and turn there. And uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to be again today, in The Sojourner's Guide to a Hostile World. And while you're turning there, let me begin with a question. How many of you And be honest about this, you don't necessarily have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever bought one of those marvelous 1995 gadgets advertised on an infomercial, and you got it, and you opened up the box, and you ended up with about 85 cents worth of plastic? Anybody brave enough to raise their hand on that? All right, we got one, two, a couple of others. My wife is one, I always get after her on that, darling, quit watching those infomercials. Uh, So, anyways, if truth be told, if that's you, you got bamboozled. You got bamboozled by a glitzy ad campaign that promised more than it could ever deliver. And if we're not careful, it is easy to get ripped off and taken advantage of in this world. Now, here's the good news. Fortunately, for most of us, uh, most of the time we can recover relatively quickly from infomercial rip-offs. That's good news. But what's really difficult to endure is the kind of unfairness and mistreatment that gets personal. Such as when someone slanders our reputations or someone pulls economic rug out from under us or even threatens our lives. After all, it's hard enough to deal with the consequences of our Of our own missteps, our own miscalculations, and even our own stupid mistakes. But it is unbearable to suffer the consequences of something that was not our fault. Something we did not deserve. Man, that's hard. And so if you've ever been treated like that, you're not alone. The believers, the Christ followers that Peter wrote to in this epistle were enduring the same kind of mistreatment as sojourners and pilgrims in this hostile world. Which leads us to the question that I kind of want to set up for us this morning. Notice it in your notes. Here it is. What do you do when life as a sojourner? And by the way, if you are a Christ follower, you are a sojourner. That's Peter's term for us as Christ followers in this hostile world. In fact, he uses two terms, sojourner and pilgrim. Some of your Bible versions may say strangers and aliens. It's all referring to the same thing. And so if you're a Christ follower, you're a sojourner. And so what do you do when life as a sojourner isn't fair? Or even leads to unfair treatment? Now, last Sunday we learned that our mission as a sojourner in this hostile world, is to live faithfully. That's our mission, is to live faithfully as sojourners in order to make God known in this world. How do we do this? How do we make God known? Peter says, and he's given us his line of thinking here, he simply says, it's by maintaining this beautiful life, by maintaining this honorable lifestyle that's filled, and he uses this term, of good works. Peter says, don't be surprised when this hostile world unfairly attacks you, though. As you're doing these good works, don't be surprised by that. Don't be freaked out when the world accuses you even of evil works. And Peter's answer is, in the middle of this, don't quit as a sojourner. Don't give up as a Christ follower. Don't hide. Don't retreat in isolation from the world. Instead, He he calls out to us and he begs us, he pleads with us, keep pressing on, keep living faithfully as a sojourner. Why? So the world will see your good works and glorify our God. Now, this is what I love about Peter. I told you last Sunday Peter is one of my all time favorite characters in the Bible, uh, especially in the New Testament. Love the life of Peter. Uh, Because, one, he's not afraid to deal with the nitty-gritty issues of life where we all live, even today, 2,000 years later. And so Peter warns us, he tells us up front, that the sojourner's life isn't always fair. And if you're looking for fairness, here's a little clue, you were born in the wrong world. (laughs) All right? If you're looking for fairness, you were born on the wrong planet. And so Peter says, don't freak out by it. Don't be surprised when living faithfully leads to unfair treatment in your life. And specifically, Peter says, and he begins to outline this, don't be surprised when living life as a sojourner leads to unfair treatment in three specific areas of life. Which is what we're going to look at over the next three weeks. He says, basically, in society, in the workplace... And in marriage. He begins to deal with those three spheres. Which brings us to a question that Peter answers over the next 20 verses. Notice this question in your notes. How then should we we respond to unfair treatment within circles of authority in society, in the workplace, and in marriage? And God's answer through Peter is summarized in one word submission that's god's answer on how to respond to unfair treatment within circles of authority within society within the workplace and within marriage one word summary submit it's submission now let me just stop right here and let's be honest because submission is a word most of us choke on, right? Can we all agree with that? We choke on that word, especially when it's combined with authority. The problem is not hard to see. Most of us don't like giving up the right to make decisions for ourselves. We don't like the idea of someone else telling us what to do, and we don't much care for rules and regulations and authority. And so we live in an age in which we resist submitting to anyone in authority. That is the spirit of our culture even today especially. And it's not just an American trait. This is a human trait. To paraphrase Isaiah three We've all gone our own way. And by nature we are rebels at heart. And even when we obey, we don't like to. We resist it inwardly. So if you've already tuned me out because I the word, not me, but Peter, God, has used the word submission, I'm asking you to tune back in and at least consider what God is saying through Peter in these next 20 verses. Now remember the context. Context is everything when studying God's word. In real estate, it's what? Location, 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 correct? In studying God's word, it's context, context, context. So remember the context here what Peter's talking about. Peter is giving us some practical examples of what good works look like within circles of authority. In society, in the workplace, and in marriage. And by circles of authority, I'm referring to these different spheres of life in which we live in. There is an authority structure. There is a circle of authority in society. There's a circle of authority within the workplace. There's even a circle of authority, as we will see in the weeks to come, within marriage. And in all three areas, Peter summarizes good works with one word. And what is that word? Submission. Now, that may be hard to swallow, but it's not hard to see. In fact, I have the verses there printed out for you in your notes. You see it in three different places, representing three spheres of authority. Now, before we move on, let me explain that unlike the Apostle Paul, Peter deals with only one side of these relationships. He talks about submission from the vantage point of the one most likely to be mistreated. In other words, Peter didn't intend to write a dissertation on the responsibilities of all the parties involved in these circles of authority. Peter's goal is not to correct the mistreatment by those in authority. But rather, he is exhorting those who are being mistreated to respond with good works of submission. So in other words, like for example, today we're going to get into the circle of authority with society, which happens to be represented by government. Peter does not deal with their responsibility. What government is supposed to do. How government should treat citizens. He doesn't deal with that. Peter deals with only one side of it. That is us as the citizens. And so he, that, does, that means, as you raise all kinds of questions in your mind, Peter's goal isn't to answer all your questions. It's the same way when it comes to the workplace. It's the same way when he gets to the area of marriage. So you got to understand the context, and you've got to understand... Peter's goal and what he's trying to do within this letter in writing this letter. He's addressing this letter to believers, sojourners, who are living scattered. They're being persecuted, and he's seeking to encourage them. Press on. Don't give up. And as you do, live a life of good works. Maintain a beautiful life. And now let me show you what that good, those good works looks like In these three areas of society, or your life, spheres of authority, society, workplace, and marriage. So, let's unpack it in the area of society. The sojourner's life of submission in society. Look at the command, number one. The command. Very simply, it's this. Submit to all civil authorities. Submit to all civil authorities. So... Look at it with me in First Peter. We're in chapter 2, and we see it in verses 13 and 14. Let's read it. Peter writes, Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Now, Can you just imagine the reaction of Peter's readers to this command? This command is rather shocking. Because of what Peter has just said in the previous four verses leading up to this command. And so by of. You know, if you want to follow this, look at verse 9. Peter said that as Christians, we are a chosen generation. He says we're a holy nation in verse 9. He says we are a people of God's own possession. You drop down to verse 10. And Peter said that as Christians, we are the people of God. In the last Sunday, we saw in verse 11 that Peter said that as Christians, we are sojourners and pilgrims in a hostile world whose citizenship ultimately is where? In heaven. And so all of this raises the question whether we now, as Christ followers, as sojourners, whether we have any allegiance to the civil institutions of this world at all. After all, if we are a separate, quote, holy nation, as Peter just said, and if we are, quote, God's people, and if we are sojourners in pilgrims, perhaps we should then just withdraw into our own little Christian communities and have nothing to do with the powers and institutions of the world. Right? But Peter's answer to that line of thinking is no. Instead he says we are to submit to all civil authorities. Now When you consider the political climate, not just in our day, but in Peter's day, in the Roman Empire, this command is even more shocking. Do you remember who was in power in Rome in Peter's day? A wicked ruler named Nero, who hated Christians so much that he had them rounded up, dipped in tallow, and burned on stakes like candles in a garden. Nero is perhaps the most notorious for blaming a tragic fire that decimated Rome on the Christians, which resulted in thousands of Christians being persecuted to the point of death. So many of the believers who received Peter's letter had suffered persecution. In fact, the bodies of their friends and loved ones had bloodied the sand of the Roman Colosseum. And so the life of these believers... Was anything but fair they had been the targets of unfair treatment by the government, by their fellow citizens and by their neighbors. and unless you think Peter didn't understand the magnitude of mistreatment these believers were suffering, remember Peter was well acquainted himself with corrupt leaders in authority. Nero was not the only ruler. Peter had known he had also known of Pilate the governor of Judea who washed his hands of Jesus blood had him beaten and turned him over to be crucified with no grounds for it no basis for it Peter had known of Herod and Tippus, who executed John the Baptist as a dancing prize at a banquet and Peter was probably a boy in Galilee when he heard that Herod the Great had killed the children in Bethlehem in an attempt to kill baby Jesus. So Peter, lest we think otherwise, he was not naive about the vicious world of government corruption and wickedness. He knew the depravity of human nature, and the corruption that political power can bring. This was the world into which Peter gave the command, submit to all civil authorities. Now this word submit is a military term that literally means to get in line or to line up under the authority. And since we don't have a king, I guess we're off the hook, right? Not quite. Uh, we can apply kings to our president and federal authorities, and we can apply governors to our state and local authorities. And here's the thing when Peter writes this, when he gives this command, notice there are no exceptions. There's no exceptions to it. That's the part that kind of gives us trouble, right? No exceptions. Most of us understand that civil authorities are necessary for a society to function effectively. But whenever we read a verse like this, we almost always start saying to ourselves, and I'm sure some of you have even right now, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. And before you know it, we have a dozen yes, buts," but that nullify, nullify the meaning of peter's words here so we must start with the command and get it clearly in our minds or else we will end up emptying this command of its meaning that peter intended for it to have again let's be honest our problem is not understanding what submission means we know what submission is our problem is doing what it says so let's look at the motive for submission number two the motive and peter says it's for the lord's sake it's for the lord's sake the key phrase in verse 13 is for the lord's sake and if you miss that phrase you miss the most important part in the verse so what does Peter mean when he says that we are to submit, quote, for the Lord's sake? Well, it means, get this, understand this, don't miss this, because this is the most important part. This is what gives uh, this lesson, it's what makes, it, makes sense to it. It means there is a direct connection between people in authority over us and God who is the ultimate authority. In other words, as Christ followers, we don't submit to human institutions simply because we feel like it. Or because we have passive personalities. Or because our government has intimidating powers. That's not why we submit. We do not look first at ourselves to see what we feel like doing. Nor do we look first at the civil authorities to see if there are consequences for not submitting. We look first to God himself and we submit for his sake. Remember, while you're in this world, you are in various degrees, in different ways, you are citizens of two kingdoms in two systems you are part of this world with its necessary institutions one of those being government which god has ordained he instituted and the kingdom of god with its necessary values but this is not because these two kingdoms are equal with one another do not think that it is not because these two kingdoms have equal authority. They do not. Because God is the ruler and owner over both. And when you belong first to God and His kingdom, you then can be sent by God into the kingdom of this world for His sake, for His purposes, and for His glory. And in this way, our submission to civil authorities becomes Hear this, it becomes an act of honor to God's authority over the institutions in this world. This means that submission to authority is really an aspect of our submission to whom? God. Now let that sink in for a moment. Verse 13 subordinates... All submission on earth to a higher submission to God. When it says, submit for the Lord's sake. This means we pay our taxes and we keep our laws for God's sake. Not because we might pay a penalty or go to jail if we don't. Although that is true too. So our motive, listen, and you have to understand, our motive is vastly different than somebody who is an unbeliever. Which is why when you see the news right now in the last two years, and you wonder what is going on, I don't know whether those people are unbelievers or not. That's not for me to decide or judge or whatever. All I know is... For those of us who claim to be Christ followers, we have a different motive for submitting to civil authorities. And it's for the Lord's sake. But why? Why? How many of you growing up always ask the question why? How many of you have a kid who always ask the question why? If you have more than one kid, you have a kid who asks questions why. I have one of those children who always ask why to everything. And again, that's why I love Peter, because he gives us the answer to the why. There's a reason that's much bigger than you or me. Notice number three, the reason. Here's why we submit to civil authorities for the Lord's sake. It is to silence a hostile world. It's to silence a hostile world. Now, before we get to this reason, and we see it in verse 15, notice that Peter tells us God's basic design for government in verse 14. I do like this about Peter. He does insert here. It's almost as if he puts it in parentheses, because he doesn't elaborate on it. But he does insert here, and he kind of gives us this little phrase, this one sentence. Oh, by the way, here's what civil authorities are supposed to do. Here's their purpose. It's just a reminder. Peter says that the purpose of government is twofold. Do you see it in verse 15 or 14? He says it's to punish evil and to promote good or to praise good. Punish evil and praise good. In other words, governments do not save us. Maybe figure that out by now governments do not save us they are ordained by god to promote justice and peace in a world seething with evil so that the gospel may be proclaimed that's the purpose of government now obviously they don't do that perfectly in fact there's a lot of faults in how they do that right why? Because governments are run by human beings with depraved natures. So why would we expect them to do it any other, any other way? That's why Paul urges us, though, as Christ followers, you follow Paul's line of thinking, and he takes us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4, through 4, and Paul urges us to pray for our government leaders. He urges us to pray For kings and those in authority. Why? Because Paul knows that God desires that the gospel not be hindered by upheaval. So that more people can hear the gospel. So we have freedom now to sow seeds of the gospel. And the gospel might take root in the hearts of those who have yet to come to know Jesus Christ. All this leads us to Peter's reason now. To submission in verse 15. And it's all about making God known. That's our reason. Peter writes in verse 15. Look at it. Look at it in verse 15. He says, For this is the will of God. So, you know, you can't get any more clear than that. As Peter states, Well, what's God's will for my life? If you've ever wondered, here's one aspect of God's will for your life. For this is the will of God that by doing good, and in this case, the doing good is submission to civil authorities, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, Peter's not referring to civil leaders as foolish men, but rather to the ignorant rulers who are unfairly accusing and attacking Christians as evildoers. And this phrase, to silence, literally means to close the mouth with a muzzle like you would with a dog probably seen dogs that you know some that take them to the dog park or a walk and they have a muzzle over the mouth so they don't bite humans or other dogs that's the idea here remember christians in the first century were targets of unfair accusations and attacks and to muzzle these false accusations peter commanded them to submit to the civil authorities of the day and by submitting for the lord's sake they would muzzle the mouths of those who are slandering Christianity. In other words, when we do good, when we submit, we silence unbelievers who have bad things to say about Christians, and in doing so, we make a case for God, and we make Him known to a hostile world. We could say it this way, submission to authority is one of the strongest apologetics against the view that Christians are never up to any good. But learning that lesson didn't come easy for Peter. Oh, no. He had to learn it the hard way. Do you remember the night Jesus was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? Remember that night? And how did Peter respond? Well, he didn't respond like Jesus. He thought this was the hour for action. So he pulled out his sword and he cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. But now, decades later... As an older man, a wiser man, Peter says to us, Listen, I have put that sword away and found that submission is the best way to silence a hostile world and make God known. Now, Peter, don't misunderstand. He's not saying that when we submit to civil authorities, that we're going to silence every accusation. That we're not going to encounter anymore. That it's all going to go away. He's not saying that. He's saying the method to this, though, the way, if you want to silence, is to submit and do good. And hopefully God will use that, your good works here, to, to open up the hearts of these evildoers who are attacking. And perhaps they will quit and give opportunity now for us to uh, sow the seed of the gospel. And they will now come to know Christ and glorify God. Peter was headstrong in the beginning. But he's learned his lesson well. And he is now free to submit, which brings us to number four. Brings us to the attitude in which we submit. And that is, I'm free to be a servant of God. Peter writes in verse 16. Look what he writes. As free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as servants of God. What this verse teaches us is that we belong to God and not to the American government. We are servants, or literally, uh, the phrase that Peter uses here, we're bond slaves of God and not man. We do not submit to human institutions as slaves to those institutions, but as God's free people. Listen, we submit in freedom. We are free in Christ, Peter's saying. And we submit in freedom for God's sake, not in bondage for the king's sake or the president's sake. In other words, here's what Peter's saying. He's saying our whole disposition of freedom, of joy and hope in this hostile world as sojourners is rooted in our belonging to to god we're part of god's eternal family we're part of his kingdom in one sense this is slavery why because god's authority over us is absolute but in another sense it is glorious freedom because god changes our hearts so that we love serving him now but peter also warns us of something here that's rather important And that is not to use our freedom in Christ as a cover up for sin. You see, we can get so carried away with the notion of freedom in Christ that we think we aren't bound by any earthly laws. And such a view leads directly to spiritual anarchy and rebellion. Are we free in Christ? Who's free in Christ? Raise your hand. I'm glad we have a few of you. I hope there's more. If you're not, you can experience freedom in Christ. So, yes, we are free in Christ. Listen, we're free from the guilt of sin. We're free from the penalty of sin. We're free from the values and standards and priorities of this temporary world. But we are not. Listen to me. We as Christ father, as sojourners, we are not free to just do our own thing. As if no one else matters, and we are the center of the universe. So here's the attitude that Peter says we should have. I am free. I am free in Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. That is the gospel. It delivers me out of bondage of sin. And I am free in Christ to now serve God through submission martin luther put it this way in his essay called the freedom of a christian he says a christian is a perfectly free lord of all subject to none a christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all subject to all in case you're wondering the key to that paradox is god we are Freed by God, as slaves to human government, and we are sent by God to submit to human government for His sake. So, what does that mean in practical terms? And let me just throw out a couple here. It means we pay taxes because, in the ultimate scheme of things, money doesn't matter, God does. It means we vote. And, what is it, three three weeks from now, we have midterm elections. So it means we, we go to the polls, November 6th, I believe it is, and we vote. But we don't lose sleep if our candidate doesn't win, because in the ultimate scheme of things, politics doesn't matter. God does. It means we obey the civil authorities over us, not because we like who's in charge, but because we are only... Or because they are only in office temporarily, and in the ultimate scheme of things, who's in charge doesn't matter. Listen, God's what matters. His kingdom is what matters. It's the eternal that matters. So Peter begins this section with a specific command. He says, submit to all civil authorities. And now he ends with this broad application of what submission looks like in practical terms. Notice number five. And that is to show proper respect to all people. Show proper respect to all people. In verse 17, Peter ends with these four rapid-fire commands. Look at it here. in Verse 17, he says, Honor all people. He says, Love the brotherhood. He says, Fear God. And then number four, he says, Honor the king. And there is a progression here. First, Peter says, Give to all human beings... And notice again, he doesn't qualify it. Peter doesn't say, uh, yeah, there's some good ones, and there's some medium ones, and there's some bad ones, and some okay ones, some you like, some you don't like. He doesn't qualify any of of human beings, does he? He just says, honor all people. So we're to give all human beings a basic respect and honor. Now, if you've been with us in the Genesis series, we understand why, right? Because we learned in Genesis that all humanity is created in the image of God. That's why we give respect to all people. Because they are image bearers of God himself. And so every human being deserves our respect and honor in that regard. Then beyond that common respect and honor of all humanity, there is a special love, Peter says, that is to be given to brothers and sisters in the family of God. And then there is a special fear that is appropriate to God and no one else. Why? Again, because we are not slaves of men. And so we do not fear men. We give men honor. We give people honor. And we love other brothers and sisters in Christ. But we stand in God alone. Stand in awe of God alone. And then Peter comes the basic honor of the king. And he is not to be feared as we fear God. And he need not be loved as we love other believers. And so... Perhaps you are not a Trump fan. Peter's not saying you've got to love Trump. Whoever the next president is, Peter's not saying you've got to love the dude or the gal. Whoever becomes our our senator for here in Missouri, Peter's not saying you've got to love them like we love brothers and sisters in Christ. But he is saying they need to be honored, show respect. So we could summarize it this way. First comes our absolute allegiance to God. Next comes our love for the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. And then comes our honor to the king, that is to government, those in places of authority in government and to the rest of the world. Peter says this is what living the sojourner's life of submission looks like in society. As sojourners, we freely submit to all civil authorities for the Lord's sake. Why? to silence the, hostile, the hostility towards Christianity, and in doing so, we might make God known in this world. So there it is. Now, let me stop and wrap it up this way. And I'll do so on a personal note. As I survey my own heart on this subject matter, I find If I'm honest with myself before God and now with you, I do not like submission any more than anyone else does. I know that deep inside there is a part of me that says, forget about rules, forget about authority, forget about submission. I want to do whatever I want to do. And if I'm honest, I have to confess that, you know what, I'm really a rebel at heart. And the truth of the matter is, I'm a rebel by nature. That's me. There is an inborn dislike for authority in all human beings. All are rebels by nature. And so whatever Peter says about submission, it screams out against the anti-authority spirit that's so prevalent in our culture today and even in our churches today. In fact, I believe submission in general is perhaps the hardest command to obey in all the Bible. And the reason goes all the way back to what we saw in the Genesis series. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, to Adam and Eve. So what's the remedy? What's the solution to my rebellion against authority and submission, and what's the remedy for your rebellion? The one remedy to rebellion is the grace of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ, making us submissive to the authority of God, so that we can submit in freedom to civil authorities that are designed by God. Did you notice? Did you happen to notice that? There are five verses we looked at this morning. Five. And in these five verses, God is mentioned how many times? A a lot. He's actually mentioned four times. God's mentioned four times in five verses. Gee, I wonder if that's by accident. Why is that the case? Why would Peter mention God on the topic of submission four times in five verses? Well, the answer is simple. Notice in your notes. Because submission is not about you. It is about God. Submission is all centered on God and around God. Submission is a spiritual issue between you and God. Submission is not about you. That means it's not about the president, it's not about the governor, it's not about the police chief, it's not about police in general, it's not about your boss, it's not even about your husband, it's not about your wife, it's not about anyone in authority over you. Why? Because submission is about God. And until we grasp that, we will continue to struggle in this area. In the end... Submission is not about you obeying or submitting to someone else or you following a set of rules that you like or don't like. Submission is a spiritual issue in the heart. Always has been, always will be. And it touches every part of life because behind every, get this, behind every human authority stands the Lord himself. So a rebellious spirit against authority is actually a form of rebellion against God. And that's why this is one of the hardest commands to obey in all the Bible. Because it runs counter to our fallen human nature. Which is why we need a new nature. Which is why we need to experience a new birth. Which is why we must be born again spiritually if we ever hope to obey this command. So, one last question here. In a world that rebels against submission, will you live the so generous life of submission within the circles of authority in our society? Well, you may ask, man, is there anyone who's ever lived this way, Bruce? This is rather hard. So, is there anyone out here that's ever done this that I can maybe see as an example and follow in their footsteps? I'm glad you asked. Yes, there is. And his name is Jesus. Peter mentions him a few verses later here in chapter 2. And we are called by Peter to actually follow in his steps. In fact, Peter says, though he was insulted, speaking of Jesus, he did not retaliate. Though he was sinned against, he never sinned in response. Though he was humiliated, he never threatened to get even. Instead, Jesus did what? Peter tells us, get this, Jesus entrusted himself to his heavenly father in the midst of all his mistreatment. And his submission led Jesus where? To the cross. It led him to his crucifixion, which was ultimately God's plan for the world of redemption of mankind. And his crucifixion brought salvation to the world. And Peter says, yo, follow in his steps. Follow in his steps. You're a Christ follower. You claim to be a Christ follower. So follow in his steps. And so we are driven back to the cross. Without the cross, the message of submission makes no sense, right? It's like, if there's no cross, then why am I submitting? I'm not. But in the power of the cross, we can do what Jesus did. We can live faithfully in submission in our society. And also, we're going to see, because of the cross, we can live faithfully in submission in the workplace and in marriage. That's Peter's guide. That's the sojourner's guide for living in a hostile world. Submit to all civil authorities. And he tells us, and he goes line to the line, here's the motive, here's the reason, here's the purpose, here's the application. And I love it. Peter just lays it out there, and he says, deal with it. Check your heart. Because we all resist this inwardly. So now check your heart. And if you're like me, you probably got to do that on a weekly basis. It's not a one-time thing. So let's go Lord in prayer. Lord, the words of Peter here that come from you are not easy, and yet they're here for a purpose, for a reason. They are your revealed truth to us. And so help us to embrace it. Help us to accept it. And by your grace, help us to live it out. Yes, these things are here now.